This is the message from Connection Community Church for Sunday, July 12th, 2020. All in a day's work, Jesus calms the storm. Well, good morning, Connection Church. Both here in the sanctuary and all you out there in the, in the cyberland there. <laughs> I'm glad you're all able to find a seat here this morning. Uh, we put in some extra just so everybody would have a place to sit here. Thank you. So today, part two of our series, All in a Day's Work. We started last week. Today, we're, uh, through the series, we're looking at some of the miracles of Jesus. Today, we're looking at Jesus Calms the Storm. Good morning, Connection Church. Thank you so much for joining us here at 4744 Summit Bridge Road. Thank you for joining us online. I see a lot of you are tuned in. We've got like 60 households at least. Be sure to let us know you're with us. And also afterwards, be sure to sign a Connect card so that we know that you've joined us today. I am so glad to see you. Did I say who I was? Nope. I'm Carrie Jones. I'm Alan Jones. And we are two sinners who have been saved by the grace of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Would you pray with us, please? Almighty God, thank you so much for today. Thank you for the day that you've made. You had this in your mind's eyes so long ago. And you knew actually exactly what we'd be talking about today. Here in the midst of this pandemic, it just seems so appropriate to talk about miracles. And so we give this time to you here on campus and in our homes, wherever we might be. Remove any distractions so that we can have some laser focus. We pray this in your holy name. Everybody gathered said, Amen. 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 So last week we looked at uh, chapter 5 of the book of Luke with Jesus at Lake Genesaret, uh, also known as the Sea of Galilee, also known as the Sea of Tiberias, also known as Lake Tiberias, and it has several other names. Sounds we like a lot of them. aliases. Yeah, it's known by a lot of different names, but for whatever reason. And in that scripture, he helped Peter and Andrew, James and John, pull up a miraculous catch of fish, and then told them that in the future they'd be fishing for people. Yeah. And so our focus today is a couple of chapters later... We're looking at Luke chapter 8, and we find Jesus again on the lake of Genesaret. He's been pretty busy since we met with him last week in chapter 5. I mean, really, check this out. He healed a paralytic. He brought this paralytic. Um, the paralytic was brought on a mat to, uh, by his friends to a house. They went through the roof. They lowered him through the roof because his friends knew that Jesus was there, and he was healed. He chose t 12 men to be his disciples. Then they, um, he designated them as apostles, apostles like ones who had seen Jesus. They were his inner circle. He healed a Roman centurion servant. He raised the only son of a widow from the dead. And he had been questioned by John the baptizer, not in a bad way, as to whether he, Jesus, was the one to come or should they expect another? Jesus has been a really busy guy since chapter 5. Yeah. And now once again, he's at the lake. Check out what happens. This is Luke chapter 8, starting at verse 22. 
We're going to read it in sections as we talk through it today. This is the New International Version. One day Jesus said to his disciples, let us go over to the other side of the lake. And so they got into a boat and they set out. And as they sailed, he fell, he, Jesus, fell asleep. So, just as we saw last week, Luke begins this part of this miracle story with the words, one day. One day. It's like, one day I went for a walk. One day Jesus did a miracle. One day. Jesus is going to, uh, he tells his disciples that they're going to cross over the lake to the other side by boat. And that makes sense because Jesus has several trained fishermen on his squad. They're used to the water. They've been on the lake many, many times. They were on this very lake last week when we talked about the other miracle. And I have to guess, because it doesn't tell us, that this boat they're in isn't just a little two-man rowboat that they're using, you know? There are 13 of them, the 12 apostles and Jesus, uh, 13 grown men. So this isn't a little dinghy they're in to get across the lake. And we're not told where they get the boat from. It doesn't tell us. Maybe they went to Lake Genesaret Boat Rentals and took it out for a couple hours. Or, or, or maybe... Um, you know, Peter, Andrew, James, and John, last week they walked away from the fishing business. Maybe they still have some buddies in the fishing business that they borrowed a boat from. Maybe, maybe Jesus promised somebody a miracle or two in exchange for borrowing the boat. It doesn't tell us, does it? It, it doesn't tell us. And it's interesting, in seminary, one of the many things I brought from seminary, I had this class on biblical interpretation. And the main thing I got from that class is you always got to say, ask yourself, why is it in there? And why is it not in there? You know, the, the, the black parts, the, the, the letters and the white space in between the letters, it's important to give some thought to both sides of it. Why is it and why isn't it in there? And, and so in this case, it doesn't really tell us. So, so we can say, okay, what's important isn't so much where they got the boat, but they did get a boat, and they're crossing. Like, in other words, they're, they're looking at this boat for transportation. Jesus wants to get from one side to the other. Transportation, at least at this point, that's what it appears to be to the disciples. Okay? It, it can get more interesting, though, as we go along. It sure does, because no sooner do they get in the boat when Jesus falls asleep. I guess the, the water might have just been rocking him to sleep. He was probably exhausted. He needed some rest. No, don't rest. you guys fall asleep. No, no, yeah, no, don't, don't let us rock asleep. He needed some rest. And what this does is it shows us Jesus' human side, that Jesus thought rest was important, getting away from the noise was important. And if it's important for Jesus, isn't it important for us as well? to be sure to treat our bodies well, to get rest, to, to get away, to have some, some space. So there he is in the boat with the 12 disciples. He was in good hands, so he could just fall asleep. Well, he was the savior of the world too. But he had absolute confidence. They knew what they were doing. He trusted these men. And then a squall came down on the lake so that the boat was being swamped, and they were in great danger. The disciples went and woke him, 
Well, it's like I'm picturing this boat, and it's like they went and woke him. I mean, was he up on the Lido deck? I don't know. Yeah, that's a, that's a big boat. They went and woke him, <laughs> saying, Master, Master, we're going to drown. Mm. As we shared last week, this isn't just any lake. This lake, Genesaret, and all the other names it goes by, it's 13 miles by 8 miles. That's, that's a pretty good-sized piece of water. In addition... It's, uh, I read this week, where last week I read where it was 141, this week said it was 200 feet deep at its deepest. That's, that's pretty deep, 200 feet. And the other thing is, it's like 700 feet below sea level. That makes it the lowest lake, freshwater lake in the world. The low, and around it are some hills and mountains that climb to as much as 2,500 feet. So especially winds from the east, when they come over those mountains and then come down like that would cause some storms to come up all of a sudden, and, and sometimes those storms would be pretty severe. They caused some very high waves on that lake. Now, these men, uh, especially the four, Peter, uh, Simon, Peter, Andrew, James, and John, they, they were fishermen. They've been doing this for all. In fact, they've probably been on this lake virtually all their lives. And so these storms on the lake and being on the lake isn't new to them. They were fishermen. They'd experienced this. But, but this they shouldn't be surprised, but this storm causes even them to be fearful. So this would indicate that the storm in the story, it calls it a squall, which means a big storm comes up suddenly, uh, as it's translated in the NIV. We have a name for that. It's a BHVS. Say that with me. B-H-V-V-S. B-H-V-S. That means a big, honking, violent storm. B-H-V-S. That's a connection thing. It's so big. That's an Allen thing. So big, so honking, so violent that the boat is taken on water. So big, so honking, so violent that these grizzled veteran fishermen, men of the sea, are fearful. Not just for, they're fearing their, for their lives. So big, so honking, so violent that they're going to wake up the napping Jesus up on the Lido deck. Yeah. And he, Jesus, got up and rebuked the wind and the raging waters. The storm subsided and all was calm. Wow. Jesus rebukes the wind and the raging waters. When we look in various versions of scripture on this particular story, you know, sometimes the wording in different versions are uh, different, but in most of the versions, they use the word rebuke. Very interesting. Rebuke, to express sharp disapproval or criticism. We're reminded here that Jesus rebukes demons as he exercises them from people. In ancient cultures, people believed that evil spirits resided in the waters of the deep. Resided, and it was these evil spirits that stirred up the storms against these sailors. And so Jesus rebukes, he exercises whatever it is, bringing the deadly storm against them. We like the way Eugene Peterson uh, uh, paraphrases this in his Bible version called The Message. Check it out. This is Luke 8 chapter, second part of the 24th verse. Getting to his feet, he, Jesus, told the wind, silence. And the waves quiet down. They did it. The lake became smooth 
as glass. Wow. And so with merely a word or two, Jesus calms the storm. Silence. Quiet down. Don't you love it? Wow. That's some serious power there. We like how Tony Evans, in his book, The Power of Jesus' Names, he points out that the Greek word for silence comes from the root word siope, uh, siope, which literally means hold your peace. Okay? Hold your peace. Jesus tells the storm then to be quiet, to hold its peace, to stop its noise, to quiet down. We're reminded here that one of the names of Jesus is Prince of Peace, right? There you go. We're also reminded that in creation, the triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, all created together something out of nothing. Something out of nothing. We think that it was just like God up there, but it's really God in the fullness of God. God, Son, Spirit. And they did this merely using a word. Light, and there was light. Water, and there was water. Land, and there was land. Amazing. Having control over nature. Really, that's nothing new for Jesus. He was there from the beginning. It's been part of the deal from the very beginning. And for good reason. All nature is subject to God's control. Everything is subject to God's power. Everything is subject to God's desire, including the wind and the waves. You know, when things happen beyond the control of, beyond the realm of nature, the normal realm of nature, we call it supernatural, don't we? Supernatural. Super meaning it's that prefix above and beyond. And for Jesus, though, controlling nature isn't like above and beyond. It's just what Jesus does. It's just what they do. It's right in his wheelhouse. Part of what he does, all in a day's work. Jesus is above everything, all things, including nature. So back to the scripture, um, Luke 8, verse 25. This, again, is the New International Version. Where's your faith? Jesus asked the disciples. In fear and amazement. That's an interesting combination, isn't it? Fear and amazement. They ask one another, who is this? He commands even the winds and the water. And here's the thing. He doesn't just command. I mean, any of us could command it, right? But they obey him. They obey him. As theologian Fred Craddock shares in his commentary, we have this whole series commentary. It's called uh, Interpretation. Fred Craddock wrote the book on Luke. In that book, he shares that when Jesus asks, where is your faith? He's not saying that, that if they had enough faith that uh, there wouldn't have been a storm. No, no. Storm, storms are part of everyday life. They're part of what goes on. And no amount of faith changes that. Can I get an amen? Just give me a thumbs up. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Um, nothing's going to... And, and the storm part of everyday life. And, and most likely, uh, he's not saying that with enough faith, they could have uh, quelled the storm. Uh, at least not at this point. I mean, he, he hasn't given that kind of power yet. Notice I said yet. Not yet. As Craddock points out, Jesus is addressing their fear in the storm, in the midst of the storm. 
as he says, as Craddock says, it's fear and not doubt that's the opposite of faith. Doubting isn't the opposite of faith, it's fear that is. They, they should not occupy the same space. These guys, these, these disciples, they've seen Jesus define power previously. I mean, we talked about last week, right? They were right there in the boat with him last week when he did. So what they, then Jesus saying, you, you've seen me, and I, why, do you have, why do you have so little faith, guys? And then in fear and amazement, Scripture says they ask, who is this? Who is this? Now you're thinking, well, duh, it's Jesus. They've been with them. But can you really imagine being in their place? Like, holy cow, did you guys see this? Like, who is this guy? Wow. They're not only amazed, like, wow, but wouldn't you think they're a little bit like, whoo, a little fearful to the point where, I mean, they're seeing this man who has power even over the waves and the wind. They obey him. Well, I think that for good reason, when we have a fear, it's not like a scaredy cat kind of thing, but it's this all like, oh, wow, okay, and it almost makes you like, go down like cower a little bit because they're in the presence of the most high God. I mean, it takes your breath away. It makes you think, oh my goodness. This fear of the Lord, it's, it's a healthy respect. It's a supreme respect. It's a recognition that this person is way beyond, the power is way beyond anything they had ever seen before. Proverbs 9.10, check this out. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. I just want to stop there for a minute. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. If we don't fear the Lord, if we don't have a healthy respect, if we don't have an all, then we're really not very smart, are we? <laughs> the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. Now, certainly we can't have full knowledge of the Holy One, but the awareness wanting to get to know who that Holy One is, is understanding. Yeah. This uh, Fred Craddock, theologian, he's a uh, professor, a seminary professor also, he points out that Jesus has, has not asked them anything like this up to this point. Of course, they're fairly new on the journey together. But it will not be long, at least in Luke's telling of this story, it's in the very next chapter, Luke chapter 9, that he's going to be sending these 12 guys out and, and giving them some serious Jesus power, some serious God power, some serious <clears throat> kingdom power, as he sends them and gives them the authority to drive out demons and to cure diseases and to preach the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. Wow, that's some serious power <laughs> put in their hands. And the question then is, where is your faith? It's a great question at that point, isn't it? It gives us a foreshadowing of the faith they're going to need when they go out in ministry in the name of Jesus Christ. They better have a little faith because they can't do it otherwise. You know, you got to think maybe this whole thing is a setup on Jesus' part. You know, crossing the lake when he knows the storm's coming. Maybe purposely, I mean, he's probably tired, but he needs that nap. But he takes that nap 
just to, just to ask them that faith question and because to see, give them a chance to see what he's capable of and what kind of faith they're going to need in the not-too-distant future. Great story. Great miracle. Great example of Jesus just all in a day's work. But what does that have to do with you and with me? What, what is the impact of that in our lives? Well, okay, let's, let's get real. Um, we're all going to face challenges. We all have faced challenges. There are challenges down the road. There are mountains that just seem like they're too high to climb. There are valleys that just seem like they are so very, very low. But think about the power of God. Think about the miracles of Jesus. If you're a follower of Jesus, and, and I'm looking around, and y'all, you know, you're here, you're either exploring that relationship, or you're online exploring, or, or you're, you're following Jesus, we know that life doesn't instantly get easy because of that. In fact, sometimes it gets harder because we align ourselves with God, and it's hard in a culture of today to align ourselves when everybody else around us is telling us, no, do this, do that. But we know that Jesus is right there in the midst of our lives, right there with us in the boat. I just have to share on, um, I'm watching, sorry guys, but you know, it's, it's you guys, but it's all of you guys too, so I'm kind of watching who's on, and, and we have one person who's sharing that their son is like eight months clean and sober. That's a miracle of God. Yeah, we're clapping. We're clapping on that one. Yeah, all right. Um, there's just so many things that are so cool. Um, Somebody else says, well, I'm in the midst of a storm at the moment. And somebody else says, fear is a liar. Mm-hmm. Fear is a liar. Satan just wants to come in and mess with us. But I'm here to tell you, we're here to tell you that he has no power over you. That Jesus defeated that, defeated Satan, and all he can do now is just distract us and mess with us. You know, when we went into ministry... Um, you'd think, oh, wow, look at that. Isn't that great? It was hard. <laughs> and it was hard on our family. We had kids in college, and Devin was starting 10th grade, and we're Turner was seminary. starting 3rd grade, and we were both in seminary, and they were being uprooted of the only place that they knew. And um, not trying to embarrass you, Devin, if you're watching, but it was really hard on her because she, you know, coming into high school, But you saw her singing on the screen. I mean, the Lord worked on her and worked on her and worked on her and made her strong as well as the rest of our kids. And they got to see the obedience, uh, the faithfulness of God in the obedience of the call. And so that's how God works. And we are so grateful that we get to journey together through these challenges. We don't have to do this alone. Not only is Jesus with us, but we've got each other. We can like, come on, I got you. Hold on. I'm going to be the hands and feet of Jesus. Jesus is with us in the boat when we're in the storms. Mm -hmm. 
So there are a couple things we need to remember. We need to never, ever, ever forget. One is there will be storms. Can I get an amen? There will be storms. There will be storms in life, some not so great, some great storm, but we will have storms. But here's the thing to never forget. No matter how great the storm, Jesus is greater. Now, say with me, no matter how great the storm, Jesus is greater. Jesus is greater. You know, no matter how great the storm, when Jesus is with us, we're going to get through the storm. When he's in our boat, we're going to get through the storm, no matter how great that storm is. Jesus and Jesus alone has the power to calm the wind and the waves, no matter how great that storm in your life and my life. Yeah. We've seen this over and over and over again in our lives, but we've seen it especially in the lives of all y'all here at Connection Community Church. You know, a lot of people facing a lot of different storms, relational storms, emotional storms, spiritual storms, psychological storms, <clears throat> substance abuse storms, pornographic storms, all the list. I mean, you know, we could go on for a long time with the types of storms. You get the point, though. And we've seen you weather those storms. We've seen you weather the storms thanks to Jesus being in the boat with you. And here's the thing. We don't just weather them, do we? As Carrie pointed out a minute ago about our daughter, Devin. When we go through the storm with Jesus, we come out stronger. We come out healthier. We come out more faithful after facing that storm with Jesus Christ in the boat with us. Amen. 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 So what are the storms in your life? We all have them. And if we're not in one right now, <laughs> it's coming. It's coming. <laughs> not trying to discourage you, but we don't have to be discouraged. We don't have to live as people who are discouraged. Because we know that whatever's ahead, that God's got us. That God's got us. Are you prepared? Are you prepared for the storm? How do we get prepared? We spend time with Jesus so that we know Jesus, so that when we're crying out to Jesus again, that it's like second nature. You know, it's not like a fire whistle, woo, okay. Like we don't even deal with them until the, the fire. Prayer and study and devotion, the spiritual disciplines. And actually, as Jesus did, he got his rest. We need to be rested so that we are ready and we can breathe through things. I know I'm at my worst when I'm tired. We don't have to wait until the boat starts taking on water to cry out. We don't have to wait until the boat starts taking on water to even start a relationship, although that's a great time. Anytime's great. But we can just acknowledge Christ's presence in our lives every single day. So wherever you're at, whatever, whatever's going on in your life, and, and I know there's a lot of chatter on Facebook right now about things that people are struggling with, and y'all have your masks on, so you can't really talk to us, and you don't have your phones out, so I don't know what you're thinking. But I do know that we're all not alone in the challenges of life. So what I'd like to do right now is for us to pray, and I'm going to lead in a prayer. Would you consider repeating after me? during this prayer and those of you at home if you would do this as well okay let's pray almighty god we thank you 
We thank you for your provision. We thank you for your protection, for your grace and your mercy. Help us claim you in our lives every day. Help us draw a line in the sand and, and be right there with you, Lord. Thank you for always being in the boat with us. For having power over the storms of our lives. You are Lord and God. And we thank you for this very day. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you for joining us for our podcast. For more information about Connection Community Church in Middletown, Delaware, please visit our website at justshowup.church. You can also call our church offices at 302-378-7692. Connection Community Church, connecting people with Jesus and the life he offers.